This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late. And that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. And our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com slash KeepStock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers. Accidents happen, and when they do, you'll want a lawyer who will stand up to the insurance company and fight for your rights. In case of emergency, have this name in your back pocket, Goldfinger, Brian Goldfinger. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast for the week of January 14th. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined on the podcast by podcast favorite Vivek Jacob, um, Kawhi Leonard. He's really good. He's really, really good. Let's start with him. He just won his second Player of the Week award. Um, bro, have you adjusted the fact that Kawhi Leonard is just on the Raptors full-time? Um, it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it's like the more he keeps playing like this, the more you keep thinking about the summer and it's like please get to the nba finals so you have a realistic shot at keeping him right um because yeah you don't you don't want this to end um especially this week like i'm looking at his splits he was 54 47 82 yep <laughs> for the week um yep. and the, the the high the high volume the high usage um it doesn't phase him you see him you know he consistently gets the uh, a good lift on his shot. He's taking good shots in the offense. You can see the improved chemistry with Siakam now. There's a bit more flow between his isolations and the Raptors' uh, sort of flow ball with Lowry. Um, so I think it's all starting to come together. I know it didn't seem like that against Washington, but I thought that was more kind of just taking their foot off the gas. And then once you give a team momentum on their home floor, things can kind of escalate. Yeah, for so, sure. 
so yeah, I just think I, I think I think they're in a really good flow now. Um, and I thought it was really encouraging in the Washington game where maybe early in the season where he has that little tweak or whatever's going on with the his foot and where he was feeling that tightness, he probably doesn't come back in. Mm. Um, so I thought it was encouraging that, you know, he was like, hey, I'm going to go get this checked out, but I want to come back in the game. And he did that. Um, and obviously the Raptors needed him. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, well, you know, you say great. I would say probably a little bit too risky. For my liking, I mean, I, I know they weren't going to pull him out of overtime. You know, as soon as, it, especially if he wants to play, like, there's nothing you can really say. Like, no, we're going to keep, right. keep you out or whatever. But, you know, it was a bit dicey for sure. It seems like the Raptors <laughs> got out of it, though, because it doesn't seem like Kawhi's, you know, hampered. He's making jokes finally in the post game, which is um, important. Kyle Lowry, obviously, back in the fold now, back around the team. And, you know, he's helping Kawhi plug new bounds. It's, it's all good. It's really all good. The one point that I, I really, um, uh, you know that I, I thought stood out from what you said earlier about his sort of that that minor point about him and Pascal developing some chemistry. Like, um, just break down what that means. What have you seen from those two guys, especially working off each other? Because those guys are probably the Raptors' two best scorers. Um, given that Kyle Lowry's back is kind of you know messed up. Yeah. So for me, when I look at that, you know, uh, let's start early season. You look at. Uh, the Kawhi uh, scoring, it, it was just, you know, get him the ball, get him his ISO. Um, Danny Green kind of knew where he looks to pass the ball, knew his angles, and understood where to be. Um, and then when the Raptors would run their pick and roll with uh, between Lowry and Ibaka or, you know, that one-two game with Siakam as well, that's where the others got their offense from. But mm-hmm. now I think everyone has a better feel for it. And especially with Siakam, I think what you're seeing is – um, if you have so early in the season, you had Lowry sort of handing the ball off to Kawhi and being there as that shooting threat. But now I think what what's helping is when you give Kawhi the ball in the post and you have Siakam there, you're saying that, you know, our furthest threat is, is going to be a guy that can shoot the ball really, really well. And our closest guy to the to Kawhi is going to be someone that can attack you really quickly. So you've got to really think twice now about uh, how you help because once Siakam catches that ball, because guys are going off him because they're like, you know what, whatever. If he takes the three, whatever. Um, guys are going off him, um, so he can either attack. Sometimes he's taking that three. We've, we 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 saw that game a few. We, I think about a week ago where Pascal had three threes off three Kawhi assists. Yeah. Um, and so now, uh, I think we're seeing more of him. Maybe p- more people are respecting that shot, where he's now able to attack, and then he's even able able to kick out to Kyle Lowry. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it, it, that doesn't work the other way, where Kyle uh, can't take the three, and then when he drives, he's kicking it out to Siakam, and then you're sort of getting stuck again, right? Um, so now I think this flows a bit better, uh, where Siakam's the first guy off uh, off the Kawhi kickout, mm-hmm. uh, and so. I think it's just enhanced what Lowry is now as more of a spot-up shooter, and it enhances what Siakam is able to do off the bounce. So I think that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah, for sure. And with a guy as active as Siakam, you know, he's going to make himself available for a lot of offense, and we're seeing that this season. But, you know, it's important for the whole team basically to connect with him because he's 
he's going to be aggressive nonstop. He's always going to be outworking the opponent. And, you know, like even some of the really rudimentary stuff, like Kawhi knowing that, hey, Pascal's going to run, so I'm going to throw the ball ahead to him immediately, right? That's something that Kyle's yeah. always done. Kyle's always fueled uh, Pascal's transition game. But you're seeing Kawhi do that now too, which is honestly my only criti- – like the only – not even criticism, more like a pet peeve with Kawhi is just like – you know, like he kind of plays a little bit slower, and it kind of imposes a slower style on the on the team as a whole. But um, mm. you know, if he can connect with Pascal a couple more times in these transition plays, then yeah, all of a sudden you can push the tempo a little bit. Um, I mean, look, Kawhi has just been phenomenal all year, and um, you know, over the last couple of games here, he's up to uh, his last five games, which includes that Spurs game, which was just such a debacle. But he's averaging five point two assists over these last five games. Um, you know, again, most of these assists are to to Pascal. But the other thing with with Kawhi that I've uh, really enjoyed is the fact that he has elevated his game. Like during all the most difficult moments for the Raptors, like you, he's already scored over 30, 14 times this season, right? And those have come yep. against Milwaukee. That was obviously a very very important game. Uh, Miami, where they won by two on uh, Danny Green's game winner. Atlanta, where shouldn't have been a tough game. Um, but, you know, Kawhi comes up with some pretty big defensive plays in that whole sequence. Um, he scored over 30 twice against Boston. Um, you know, Philadelphia, he had, you know, 31 as well. In these close games, Brooklyn even, that one that they lost in overtime, right? Like, he was still the only guy on the team that was scoring with 32, and he was really productive in that game. So, And, you know, the Warriors games as well, and obviously this Wizards game. Like, Kawhi has just been able to step up in these bigger moments, and it really doesn't feel like, you know, maybe earlier in the year, it felt like defenses have kind of neutralized him a little bit. I think as he's gotten mm-hmm. stronger and sort of more connected with the rest of the team, like, it's a lot harder to stop Kawhi now. Like, he's going to get 30 whenever he wants. Yeah, and I think it's more than anything the efficiency. It, like, before, uh, you know, if you looked at his numbers, his splits and wins and losses, he was still, he was giving you 27 and 8 regardless, right? Mm-hmm. And which is what superstars do, right? It's the... Uh, the tier below that and going down that you see the dramatic difference, you know, something with role players, you see it home in a way with all stars. You sometimes see it, um, you know, you, they don't necessarily have it uh, at, as much as superstars, right. On every night. Um, so I think now we've seen him go uh, like Nick nurse talked about it, the efficiency going up, you know, from maybe getting 35 uh, points on 25 shots. And I was down to 20 shots. Like the 40 came on, about what 30 shots i think um 29 so, yeah yeah so um and i think that that was through a bit of a lull through uh, when the wizards made their run right so um i think the efficiency is the biggest thing his ability to dominate the game like even though the possessions itself like you said maybe a bit slow mm-hmm. um you're not it's not like you're just like tossing it to him every single play um and seeing what comes from that like the Raptors are getting a healthy dose of the transition uh they're getting a healthy dose of Siakam um Ibaka obviously has supreme confidence where he's looking <laughs> off Kyle <laughs> to take game winning so, if, if he had uh, missed that shot man <laughs> oh. I mean would it you really a, be bad though well I was gonna say yeah I mean it's, I, I, I wouldn't really fully trust Kyle either. man exactly right I wouldn't really trust Kyle on that but I mean still Ibaka was ice cold in that game I mean, the fact that he was able to just, like, nah, I'm going to keep the ball and shoot it myself. I was convinced he was going to miss, and I can't believe he switched it. Um, he held the pose, too, man. It looked good. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think what you're seeing is just 
every everyone is supremely confident in their skills right um, and everyone is now understanding how to maximize each other's skills whereas mm-hmm. before it was maybe a showcase of each person now i think you're seeing it all come together where it's all in a good flow um, I feel like one guy that's helped sort of the team flow uh, just all season has been Kyle Lowry. His return yeah. to the team, um, you know, in four games, the Raptors have won all four of these games. They beat Indiana in sort of a landslide. And then the Atlanta game was real difficult, but Kyle comes up with a uh, very clutch screen, knocking out, um, what's his name, uh, John Collins out of the play, which led to the game-winning <laughs> dunk, I guess, by Serge. Wow, Serge had two game winners in one week. Like man, yeah. that's that's something you just never would expect. Um, but even all star push, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely the all star push, the man of action stuff. I mean, yeah, we haven't seen any man of action for uh, for search, so it's a bit unfortunate. But um, you know, he's he's almost on the cusp, which really just speaks to the kind of lack of comp- like talent in the East right now. But um, yeah, Brooklyn, you know, Kyle was you know decent in that one as well and then washington the only thing with kyle is just like it's kind of we're coming back to the same conversations you know we had earlier in the season about sort of with this team at full health and sort of where the limitations may be within the roster and some of the concern is still kind of the same right like we know that kyle can sort of like especially when the game is more up-tempo and it's more free-flowing kyle's gonna thrive he's going to outthink opponents he's gonna take charges he's gonna take threes blah 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 we a really good playmaker. Um, but the shot making with Kyle was a concern. And from what I've seen, at least, you know, him coming back from that injury, from the back injury, I don't think he's, like, put that behind him by any means. I just think he's kind of playing through it because he's still moving around real gingerly for, to my liking. What, what, are, what are you seeing in terms of Kyle and his uh, – since he returned from uh, missing 10 games? Yeah, I think slowly they've started to ramp up at least his catch and shoot opportunities. Uh-huh. Um, I I don't see as much as the as much of the pull up threes. You don't see him really uh, forcing the issue and trying to push uh, like he used to. Like I I think I think you know the point you made about the hit aheads. I think he's quite happy now to sort of just throw it ahead to Pascal and see what happens, or just uh, like Kyle, uh, like a why go with it, right? Um, I don't think he's been as aggressive as he was early in the season. Like that, not. that opening month that he had yeah. was sensational. Yeah, I, it was so I, good. I don't, yeah, and I don't know if we're going to see that level again this season. Which, which, frankly, if he plays at that level, that's that's pretty much the ceiling of the team, right? Right. Kawhi playing like this, Lowry playing like that, uh, like he was back then, and Siakam and Ibaka and all those guys contributing. Um, that is pretty much the ceiling of the team. So it, it hurts a little bit to think that he might not be able to get back to that level. The three-point shooting, I think, is the biggest concern, right? Like, yeah, when because I mean, I think about it now, and I think of three moments stand out to me so far okay. in terms of his own individual offense. There was that shot against Golden State. That he didn't take. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, to to his credit, he did take another shot later, like a couple of possessions right after in the corner and iced the game. So, yeah. For for sure. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, it still went to OT. (laughs) That is true. Uh, Yeah. um, But, yeah. So, so that one sticks out to me. Then there was the one in Milwaukee where he had the chance to sort of put the game up. Sorry, in Toronto. In Toronto. Yeah. yeah, yeah. uh, Where he had the the zero point game where he had the chance to put it to bed. (laughs) Uh, Could have put the Raptors up six. And then Brogdon ends up tying the game, and then they end up winning right, it. Right. Um, and then even now in this overtime, 
Uh, Kawhi gets double teamed. He kicks it out to a wide open Kyle in the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, it's another miss. And he didn't look, it didn't look like that typical Kyle when right off the catch he's going up. And it's, it, you know, I, right. it was like, it was, I just saw a little bit of hesitancy, which you don't want to see. And we're comparing to peak Kyle again. So, uh, I don't know if that's a realistic expectation mm-hmm. anymore, as long as this back issue per- persists, right? Like, if he's, right. if he thinks it's something that'll go away over time with him playing, mm-hmm. then that's a judgment call he's making, and you hope that he's making the right call. Um, but at the same time, if, if he needs uh, some extra time to get back to the level that he was in the first month, then I think you take that chance. Because, uh, I mean, after this Boston game, you, you're probably into as light a stretch as you have right all season right um unless unless you're looking at like that march april that, that part of that is pretty light too so maybe that's another portion of the schedule where you try to get him as ready as possible for the playoffs but again he's another guy that has said you know he prefers having the rhythm of playing games um going into the postseason so uh that's another thing you got away yeah and that is tough i mean Okay, so the four games since Kyle's come back from injury, he's shooting 35% from the field, 28% from three, uh, and he's averaging 11 points per game. Um, he's not getting to the free throw line much, although he hasn't really done that since, like, 2017 anyway. But um, it, it is a concern. It's, it's more like I think the general scoring for him is just a concern, really, because, like, with him sort of clearly physically limited, right? Like, I think there's some games where his his back feels great, and he's able to explode. Like, you look at that Warriors game, you look at that Clippers game, like, he was playing at a different intensity and a different pace. Everything was different, right? When he was, you know, um, basically when his back feels right, he he is right. But then when his back's not right, like, where can he score, right? Like, the, mm-hmm. like the, the jumper is just doesn't look fully right for him. And then, you know, he can't really go to the basket. Like, you look at that Wizards play, right, where Nick Nurse draws up the play where – Kyle's in the backcourt, they inbound to him, and then he comes yep. off a high screen. And, you know, Nurse even talked about it after the game. He said his expectation was that Kyle was going to be able to get more of a burst and get past Jeff Green, but he couldn't really do that. And if you can't really get off, you know, get, get, get past Jeff Green for a layup, like, I, I don't I don't really know what you have right now. So I just think physically for him, like, it's going to be difficult. And, look, it's not an issue when everyone else is scoring, right? Like, for example, in these games – it hasn't been an issue because Pascal had like 24 points against Washington, right? Um, it wasn't, and everyone was hitting threes, and it wasn't really an issue, you know, against Brooklyn because everyone was playing well, and also the Brooklyn Nets just aren't that great. Um, it was a bit of an issue against Atlanta, but even still, you know, the Raptors got through that one, uh, and Indiana again. Other people were stepping up, the bench was stepping up, especially. But um, it's just a concern because there will be tougher games, like in the playoffs, where you know you would expect Kyle to be that secondary guy, and I think. You know, all this stuff about Kyle in the playoffs, like, yeah, it is sort of, like, trumped up being more than it is. But if Kyle can be even last year's version of Kyle, which was an effective secondary guy, like the number one guy in the playoffs last year, couldn't cut it, right? DeMar was really, really – he really fell off against the Cavs. But at least Kyle was averaging, like, 17 points per game. And Mm -hmm. he had, like, a true shooting percentage of, like, 65 in last year's playoffs, right? If he can just do that again, I think the Raptors will be fine because, you know – Kawhi is going to give you 30 a game, period, and with yeah. elite defense, right? So it's going to yeah. be – you can rely on that. It's just Kyle worries me. And I'm, right now I'm not confident that Kyle can replicate what he did in last year's playoffs given his current health. Yeah, I think the tough thing is like ideally you would have liked to just go with the same plan as last year where you know you really cut down his minutes, um, you sat him when you needed to, 
and then you the priority was to keep him as fresh as possible for the playoffs but obviously this season the raptors have been caught in you know trying to build that chemistry with him and Kawhi, uh trying to build chemistry with danny green um and then you know maybe a, a bit of it too is just now having uh the bench issues and knowing that you need kyle to sort of prop up that bench as well so um i think it's a tough situation for nurse uh in terms of the rest uh because obviously you've seen how much rest can help him last season and you'd like to think that that is the best way to go uh but again if this chemistry continues with, that we've seen you know with the better flow and everything like that if, if it gets to a point where you feel like comfortable enough where you know if he takes some time off or he's playing a bit less that that continuity will be maintained mm-hmm. then 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 i think you can go uh have a conversation with him saying you know hey we we got to get you ready for the postseason we can't have these back issues because ultimately the ceiling of this team um you know what Kawhi is going to bring but if kyle can be that secondary scorer as you said that is the ultimate ceiling of this team right yep, for sure um I, I don't know if you can win um an eastern conference finals or let alone an nba finals if siakam is the second best scorer um i think you you still need kyle um at that stage yep. because at, at that stage you're talking about you know you're either going up against uh you know you're going up against Kyrie or Steph and on some level you have to neutralize or you know nullify that effect right so you need that scoring there yeah for sure and and look um it's just been it's just been tough for Kyle specifically just because look like he still does like play 100% like even when he's not physically 100% right like he's still diving into the stands for loose balls and he's still forcing a lot of turnovers and I think that's really been his biggest contribution because you know his defensively he's not like an overwhelming defender but he causes so many turnovers and he's so great in finding hit-ahead passes and things like that like he is going to still contribute that way but like man you just can't it's not he can't take charge and stuff because you never want to tell a player how he should play. But if that's how he's going to play and that's the mindset he has while while he's not fully healthy, then it is kind of an endangerment to him, really. And mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a tricky conversation for the coaching staff to have. But um, the um, the other issue that you know was more of an issue, although recently it's looked a lot better, is um, the bench. Man, the bench has had some up-and-down performances, but for the most part since that Milwaukee game, they've responded well. Um, out of these guys off the bench, right? OG's playing a little bit better. Norm's playing a lot better. The lawns actually come on kind of strong. Uh, which of those guys are you most confident is uh, in, in terms of just like them continuing the success? I would honestly, I, I would say Norm. Wow. Just because, yeah. Okay. Um, like you're talking about between OG, DeLon, and Norm. Yeah. Um, I, I would pick Norm. Okay. I, I think, you know, with him, I know, I know OG had a great postseason last year. Uh, but I think when Norm is playing like this, what he can give you offensively with the ball handling, um, the composure that he's showing right. when he has the ball now is so much better than last season. Um, I feel like he's using the hop step more uh, compared to last year where he was just sort of driving in, uh, you know, going off balance, going off the wrong foot, and then not able to finish. Mm-hmm. So I I think that's made a big difference to his game. And then obviously, even even from three, he just looks so much more confident um, taking his shots. So, uh, yeah, I would say I'm most confident in Norm uh, from those three guys, especially when you consider uh, the postseasons that he's had. 
Yeah, for sure. And, and out of those three guys, I would say, like, um, OG, like, I think he, his offense is just going to be hit or miss. Like, it just always is, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't really – even when he has good moments, you're kind of like, uh, it kind of looks like he's ahead of himself and things like that because he's just, like, not that coordinated, right? Um, and then DeLon is just, like, frank, frankly, he's just too passive. Like, obviously, his ceiling, I think, is even higher than Norm and, and OG as well, but – he just like there's so many games where he's not interested, and and Norm kind of strikes the right balance in the sense that he is phys- more physically dominant than I think Delon is, for example, um, or physically imposing. I wouldn't really call him dominant, but um, you know, while also being more aggressive than those guys. And I think this year, like, man, the finishing is 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 really nice to see. He's shooting 68 percent from the restricted area, which is yeah. really really good for a guy who kind of topped out about 60 percent in previous years and um he didn't really have a mid-range game either he didn't even have like a not even a mid-range game but just like a short like paint game you know what i mean like floaters yeah. things like that and this year he's he really has a pick the spots better like i think his shots just look a lot more natural within the flow of the offense and that's reflected in his true shooting percentage he's at 57 percent this season that would be a career high if he finishes the year like that but um I just think there's a lot more craft in how he's going about it. He's going, you know, like you mentioned, the hop steps, um, a couple of Euro steps. You know, he's gathering himself. He pulled out that Rondo ball fake the uh, the other game against Utah <laughs> against uh, Gobert, and he completely faked out Gobert. So, I mean, Norm's been – Norm's come out really strong. And so, you know, okay, so Norm should play a lot One more One thing minutes. I want to add is, like, yeah. part of why fakes like that are working now is because – He's actually kicking the ball out now. Well, that too. Like <laughs> he was so one-track minded last year, where every time he drove, you knew he was just going to go all the way. Right. And now you're seeing those kickouts. You're seeing uh, him recognize who's open. Sometimes he's even finding the weak side corner on drives, and um, so I think that is making a big difference as well. But yeah, go ahead. for sure. Um, and you know, he's already taken CJ Miles's minutes, and you know, CJ yeah. just. I don't know, man. He might be done. But um, the tricky thing is the Raptors also signed Patrick McCaw, um, which was a whole ordeal. The investigation was launched into how he basically left uh, Golden State for Cleveland, which was on a in like unguaranteed deal, and then he was cut, which basically just like turned him from a restricted to an unrestricted free agent, and then the Raptors signed him. Uh, an investigation yeah. was launched, and apparently there was no wrongdoing or anything like that. So. The, you know the Cavaliers gonna get the first overall pick again. That's that's great. That's what we all wanted to see. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, first off, like, can you explain like the thinking behind this deal? Because it, for me, it doesn't really fit into what the Raptors might want to do with that spot, right? Because they already have kind of a lot of these types of rangy wings, and if Norm's playing like this, like, where is a guy like McCaw gonna get minutes? Because he's not really a point guard, and he's not really a small forward. I th- so obviously initially I, I was just like you. Uh, I don't really see the fit on this roster this season, mm-hmm. um, but I think on some level uh, they're comfortable with the pieces that they have going into this postseason. Okay. So I think they're making a bit of a long-term play where you know they're giving themselves a bit of flexibility when it comes to negotiating with Delon. Um, I think you look at uh, what he offers in theory with his length. Um, and a bit of his playmaking. I think what they're saying is, you know, look at the guys we've brought in. Siakam, OG, uh, these guys were, had no reputation on their shot. You can include Norm in that list as well. Um, but we've bet on these athletes to find a way uh, 
to make themselves relevant and become a solid part of a rotation. And we're betting that our de- our player development can help McCaw uh, become that too. I think that's what they're betting on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, let's say, okay, fine. So McCaw has had some okay moments, I think, in the NBA. I mean, he's had some, like, actual playoff moments, which is um, kind of rare. I mean, I guess he is kind of like Norm in that sense. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean... I mean, what is his ceiling in terms of as a player, right? Because it's kind of confusing. I think when he first got the Golden State, he got sort of dubbed as like the second coming of Andre Godala. But um, I just don't think he was ever yeah. that caliber of athlete to ever sort of be like that. He's like physically a little bit awkward. He's a little bit like OG. He's got like a lot of legs, you know, moves yeah. around a bit strange. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. He is intuitive. I mean, he's had some great moments. Um, you know, I, I think he had an 18-point game against the Spurs in uh, – 2017 in the playoffs okay that's cool but um i don't know for the most part though his his numbers are kind of average and he hasn't really landed a role and it was kind of really just confusing how he got out of golden state in the first place i mean right yeah i mean Um, is there there a comp for him a comp i mean i I think you said it in terms of the golden state like what they were looking for right Mm -hmm. uh in terms of that maybe another iggy for the future or something like that right um i again Iggy is so intelligent, like his ball handling, um, leadership, everything that he offers to the table. I, I don't think that's necessarily a great comp. Um, yeah, and, and honestly, on top of that, I, I don't think I've seen enough of him to really give him something to look up to or aspire to. True. So I wouldn't give, I wouldn't say that yet. Um, but yeah, I, I just think the Raptors are making a bet on an athlete and their player development, mm-hmm. um, and. You know what? Knowing, knowing Masai and that entire staff, that is true. They went through a whole list uh, of guys that they thought might potentially be able to help them, and once they maybe figured out that, you know, there isn't really anyone out there, maybe maybe they really just started to move on to uh, next season in terms of what could be a play going forward. Yeah, that's true. And you know what? Physically, in terms of his profile, like. It is something that the Raptors. It's, he's the type of player the Raptors would be interested in, right? Six foot seven. He plays shooting guard. He's got like a six foot ten wingspan. I mean, he's not. Um, he's American, so that's strange for Masai to go for him. But I mean, otherwise, <laughs> he does. He does fit the profile a little bit. Um, I mean, that Golden State scouting report, man. Got to get that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Turn over the plans, man. You. you <laughs> after this, we're signing David West out of retirement. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, so the Raptors, you know, you know, they had a perfect week. Um, it's honestly not a particularly difficult week coming up. The Raptors play the Celtics on Wednesday, uh, Phoenix on Thursday, and then Saturday they play Memphis Grizzlies. A very rare Saturday home game for the Raptors. Jesus, yeah. was, was are the Leafs not in town? What was going on? Like, damn, the Raptors never yeah. play on Saturday nights. Jeez. That, no. I, that's one of the best parts about coming to the Raptors is that you actually have Saturday nights off. But um, <laughs> let's talk about that Celtics game because I think obviously that's the one that's going to be most intriguing here. The Celtics are um, – I wouldn't say they're falling apart because their recent record is pretty good, but um, they're kind of fighting each other and stuff. And then Kyrie's basically turned into Daddy LeBron, who he wanted to leave in the first place. So yeah. what can we expect out of the Celtics game? Because to me, that's still going to be very difficult. That could be a big turnaround game for the Celtics. Although I feel like that's been said a couple times this year. Yeah, I mean, they they said it themselves after they won that 
overtime game, right? When when they beat the Raptors, yeah, saying, yeah. "Oh, this is the this was we were really looking forward to this game. This could be the moment for us, and this and that." Mm. And then it really hasn't panned out that way for them. Um, I think both of us are on the same page in terms of viewing the Celtics as, you know, if they get to their ceiling as the biggest threat to the Raptors, um, and they've seem to be able to get there and put all their egos aside in the big games uh like you know both both games have been extremely close you look at the one in toronto you look at the one in boston Mm -hmm. um i think the one thing that's going to be interesting uh to see going into this one is uh will they continue to attack siakam and danny green uh the way they did in boston I thought that was an interesting play where, you know, obviously Kawhi is someone that can't be stopped, but you see how how much of a factor Siakam can be for the Raptors. You see how much of a factor, X-factor Danny Green can be. So maybe if you can attack those guys a bit more, get them in foul trouble. Um, I know Danny Green got called for a couple of tic-tac fouls uh, in that game. Oh, there were uh, tic-tac, and it definitely swung the game, but uh, that's neither here nor there. But I mean, also the, Kyrie to, broke to OG's me, that's hand. An interesting game plan, right? Where if you can take out those X factors, I think it, it just it, it brings those other role players to the spotlight, and now you're daring them to shine uh, where maybe they're not accustomed to doing it. Yeah, for sure. I think um, I think I'm pretty sure Aaron Baines is still going to be out uh, by the time Wednesday rolls around, and so. You know, there's going to be no Baines and no JV, so I think that's going to add a different element to the series because yeah, for sure. the front court battle has always been sort of what swung and decided these games between the Raptors and the Celtics, who are generally speaking like very well stocked in terms of perimeter players, um, mm. and you can kind of expect them to play to an even. But a like Serge has played really well um, against uh, the Celtics in recent years. I mean, especially that first meeting, like Serge was great in that one. Um, yeah. And, you know, this is another game where Pascal can play some small ball five. And if that's the case, if the Raptors can sort of successfully go with, you know, like Monroe, I just think is going to be exploited by the Celtics. Like the Celtics just had Monroe, you know, uh, for last year's playoff run, and they know exactly how bad he is defensively. You know, I don't want to give them any sort of points to attack because the Celtics really, when it really comes down to it, like they're a defense first club, and it's really whether or not they can get their offense going. And so I don't want to spark their offense by playing Monroe, but – um, if you play a lot of Pascal and you play a lot of Surge and you have those two guys take like 42 of the minutes at center and maybe you play Monroe six minutes or something like that, like that's probably the way I would look at it if I were Nick Nurse. And look, both teams are going to be relatively rested for the game. Like the Celtics have an off day on Tuesday after going to Brooklyn, which is not a very long flight. And then the Raptors, I think they're already in Boston just waiting and chilling, right? So it, it's <laughs> going to be an important game for sure. And um I don't know. I, for me, I'm also trying to look to see like if Kawhi is going to guard Kyrie a little bit because uh, not for like the a whole game because I don't think it's realistic for Kawhi to guard like literally the number one guy on every other team while also being the number one guy on the Raptors. Like it's just like physically exhausting. But I do want to see for a couple possessions whether or not he can sort of uh, you know slow down Kyrie a little bit because like Kyrie was yeah. just like nuts in the in the previous game against the Raptors. I think he had like yeah. 44 or something. Would you would you like to see him like maybe start halves against him? Because I I feel like Kyrie's one of those guys. It's like once he gets those few first few shots, whether it's to open a half or you know I, I I think that's what really gets him going. Or do you see just Kyrie as one of those guys? It doesn't matter when he can light it up. Um, man, that is that's a tough question. 
I feel like Kyrie's like a momentum guy right now. I think he really wants to sort of get the rest of the team involved and see who else is working. And then if no one else is going, he decides to go supernova. Um, And so I would try to sort of keep Kawhi off of, um, you know, Kyrie early on the game and just sort of see where it's at. You know, you give Danny Green a chance. And then if he decides to step it up, because I think the Raptors will take a pretty commanding lead at some point during the game. And when he does decide to try to lead the comeback, then you preemptively switch um, right. Kawhi onto Kyrie just to sort of frustrate him a little bit more because, I mean, the guy's the guy's deadly. And, like, Kyrie's had some pretty good games against the Spurs. I mean, um, you know, I think he had, like, 55 against mm-hmm. Danny Green and Kawhi in, like, 2017 and stuff. So, like, you know, even though the Raptors have two of the best defenders in the world in terms of on the wings, like, you know, Kyrie's still Kyrie, which is uh, annoying. But, um I don't know, man. Hopefully, hopefully we could just put the the Celtics away. Let's just like, you know, a commanding victory. Everyone's watching. You know, um, maybe spark some more team fights and stuff like that. Because uh, yeah, that team yeah, is just I not mean, happy, you, man. You, and I, also, like Gordon Hayward is just not. He's not there. He's just not there. And I think that's probably the upside. When people take like Boston's like, upside, and when they're fully, when they reach their potential and things like that, like that, some of that potential is Gordon Hayward going back to being a twenty point per guy. He's not that this season. He just won't be. He doesn't physically yeah, look right. It's weird because he's had like the, some of those like flashback games where he's had mm-hmm. like you know thirty points in like twenty minutes or wh- whatever it may be, right? And um, but again, the chemistry—it's almost like again they, they're just constantly taking turns. Um, there isn't a flow. Uh, they take a lot of bad shots. They take a lot of shots early in the clock. Um, it takes so, so many jumpers. Like, they just yeah. don't get to the rim. It's weird. Like, Kyrie can get to the rim, and that's it. And so I think that's part of why we we keep talking about the Celtics. Yeah. Uh, I know most people have moved on to Milwaukee uh, and Philly and Indiana. Um, but you, you think that these are just very fixable problems, right? Yeah. Uh, especially when you look at the pieces that they have. So you figure at some point, it, it's almost like Washington, right, where – well, not this season, obviously, but um, before they'd have all their bickering and whatnot during the season, and then come playoff time, it's like okay, it's the playoffs. Like mm-hmm. everything is bigger than us, so they just all of a sudden turn it up, right? Um, and you, I feel like a bit of that's going on with the Celtics, where this might be a thing that just goes on all season, and then in the playoffs, everyone just sort of gets on the same page, sort of seeing that Larry O'Brien trophy and putting everything aside. Yo. This uh, Celtics as a new Wizards line of slander must be advanced on all fronts, <laughs> all right? Because it, it, it's so disparaging to both teams, and it's not even that far from the truth. I mean, especially this year, man. Especially this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, I'm glad you see it. Um, one last thing. Actually, I've, I've asked everyone that's come on the podcast about this, but uh, with the trade deadline about three weeks away now. Um, yeah. Can you see the Raptors making any more moves, or is the uh, the pieces of Exodia complete after we got Patrick McCaw? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's complete, man. Uh, yeah. I just I just keep looking back to that uh, that trade deadline when the Raptors got PJ Tucker and Serge Ibaka. That was a great trade deadline. That that was a great trade deadline because we got PJ like twenty five minutes after the deadline ended. It was like, oh, by the way, the Raptors got PJ Tucker for <laughs> yeah, free. That, that was hilarious. Yeah. Um, but even I feel like even now, when you speak to Masai about it, it's almost like he has some regret over losing two second round picks for PJ. 
You know, that's why he was so adamant, I think, about trying to re-sign him. Obviously, that didn't work out. Um, obviously, the way Serge has played this season has got to have him feeling a lot better about it. Um, but I think with the way it's taken the Raptors this long to finally start to establish some chemistry, um, I think they'd be very hesitant to get another piece that, again, they have to try and work in. Yeah, that's true. Although, you know what, though? I would love, I would just prefer, I mean, there's a couple of things you can't, like, in terms of, like, the roster being complete, that's where I disagree with you because, like, there's a couple more pieces that I feel like could be on the team, right? You could probably get another more defensively sound I think, I think there are pieces that, uh, that could potentially help. Yeah. Um, but you're saying the risk is too high because. But I, I just I just don't see Masai doing it. Mm. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you. I agree. With you. I mean, chances are pretty good they won't do much, but. Like um, I agree, like you know, a even, three point shooter even would a guy help, like man. Jeremy Lin, a guy like Robin Lopez, yep. you know, being that third big, being that vet, like I, those guys could probably help a ton. Would they come uh, after being bought out for a veterans men or whatever it is? Um, I don't know. And would Masai take that chance? I don't, that's the that's the thing I'm more suspect of as opposed to guys that are potentially on the buyout market that could help. Yeah, that would really help, man. Yeah. The Robin Lopez thing is strange. You see that report today that uh, the Bulls are apparently not going to buy him out. They're kind of like hesitant. Like, bro, how cheap are you, man? Just let let the man go. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? I guess he's probably Boylan's like only friend in the locker room. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. I mean, because when that group chat happened, like apparently it was Robin Lopez who was like, "Yo, stop being idiots and go up to practice. I don't care. You got to run suicides. Just go to practice." Yeah, and I mean that that's an important part of what he brings to the table right uh, i don't know if you telling people to go to practice well i mean just his leadership right i yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. know if you remember sure. uh reading ben falk uh a while ago writing about the mm-hmm. value that robin lopez brought right and i think he said himself uh, like ben falk said himself that he was one of the people that was kind of against signing robin lopez as a free agent mm-hmm. um or trading for him and once he came over uh the value of what he brought off the court, like being a true pro and all those things on a young team, you can see that value. Right. Uh, right. So, so I can see why maybe the bulls think, you know, we should be able to get at least a pick out of this mm-hmm. as opposed to just buying it and buying him out um, and letting him go help someone else. So I don't know. It, it's a weird situation you, with that bulls front office. They, they go one way, then they go the other, then they go one way, then they go the other. So yeah, that's true. Uh, who knows? Next week they they might buy them out. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows? Um, that yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. All right. Um, coming back to the schedule, then the Raptors got those three games, like I mentioned: Boston on Wednesday, yeah. Phoenix on Thursday, and Memphis on Saturday. I'm saying a three and zero week because uh, I just think the Raptors are playing a lot better than the Celtics right now. I think yeah. like that was a, that's a, that one's a toss up for sure. But I mean, Phoenix and Memphis at home, those two teams just are not good. Like <laughs> they're not good. I don't care. No, the Raptors might not give their best effort, like in Atlanta, and they try to try to BS their way through it. But they're gonna get the win there because these two teams suck. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I yeah, I also think it's gonna be a three and zero week. I think the Raptors are gonna get the win in Boston, and uh, hopefully take that season uh, season series back in Toronto. Um, and then yeah, Phoenix and Memphis. I actually had a hot take a while ago that is probably going to go down the drain. Okay. I thought that I thought that by the time uh, Memphis came to Toronto, that Stackhouse would be the new head coach. Ooh, 
It's, <laughs> I mean, it's possible, man. It depends. It depends. Does Mark does Marcus all want to kill another coach? That's just that's really where it's at right now. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I think at this point it's probably too close for it to happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the I way things are going there, it probably won't be too long till Stacks head coach anyway. So. I was say, I'm, I'm surprised we're not hearing more of Marcus Saw and, and Mike Conley as trade targets. You know, because like if I were <laughs> maybe maybe not Conley because like. His contract's a little bit longer. Um, but, I mean, Gasol, like, he could help a lot of teams, man. He could help a lot of teams. Well, I guess it probably has more to do with the fact that the teams that he could probably help the most yeah, are the teams don't that have are that trying to save up their money for this coming off season and That's the true. off season after. That's true. Yeah, I mean, like, like, yeah. And also, I don't know how much he would fetch back in a trade, to be honest. But if you can give up, like... JV and CJ and a first for Marcus All and buy low right now. Oof, man, you got your shooting. You got another solid defensive big man. Your bench is probably a little bit better. I guess you had to bring him off the bench, which is kind of awkward. He probably won't do that. Never mind. Yeah, don't, so don't make that, this trade. Don't the, make this trade. Part that gets tough. I, I think Marcus is going to come out to Nick Nurse's now. job too. That, that's that's not going to be. That's not going to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you have a good thing going now with Serge and JV. Yes. Yeah, um, Get healthy, JV. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Some of the, some of those games against those bigs that can just dominate in the paint are, have been rough, man. I can't believe how many games we BS'd our way with uh, Surge and his old legs, like not being able to hold up against some of these bigger guys, and then playing Pascal. Like I can't believe we beat the Pacers, who were red hot at the time, with like two of the best centers in the game, or at least definitely the two of the best centers in the conference. And then we're putting Pascal Siakam out there at center, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm fine. I could do this." That's just some, well, it's, my, it's my incredible. Well, didn't play that game, right? No, but I'm talking about even the first one, where the the comeback. Yeah, that that that, that first comeback was ridiculous. That was nuts. Uh, like he was really just like Sabonis couldn't do anything against him. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was the first time we really saw uh, Nurse turn to Pascal at the five, and I think it just probably just threw mm-hmm. Nate McMillan off more than anything. And yeah. um, that was that was probably the first game where we saw some flow uh, without Kyle Lowry. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, and, yeah, I think when Pascal's at the five, it allows you to do that because you've got so much more uh, pace, athleticism on the floor. Yeah, that's true. All right, man. Things are good. Things are good with the Raptors. Uh, Vivek, where can people catch you in your work? Everywhere, man. Uh, you really are Mr. Worldwide now, eh? <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time coming. but I'm Proud of you, man. Gotta keep going. Gotta keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, sports and at the athletic vice. Yep. Um, Raptors Republic, of course. Yep. And follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Yeah, there you go. Also, come see us at Hoop Talks. I guess that's too far in the future for us to really talk about right now. That's like the end of Feb. <laughs> I think that might be. Isn't it in March? Well, I thought it was like right at the end of Feb. Okay. But well, either way, we're like a month and a half away. Well, come out to that. I guess All that's right. not too far. That's not too, too far. Uh, what yeah. else is out there? Uh, watch the Yahoo show that we're going to do. Yes, on the 25th and the 31st of January. Yes, and this time the audio will be better. We promise. Yeah, and the fits will maybe be a little bit. Hopefully it's a little bit warmer in that room. Man, <laughs> please be warmer in that room. <laughs> it, was, it, was mad, it was mad cold. But yeah. Yo, when when they were saying that Danny Green even complains in that room, yeah, the cold. I was like, "How have you not fixed this?" If Danny Green can complain and you still haven't fixed it, yeah, 
Like, what shot do we have? It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. We need Zoops to just stand there with a heater. And not even that kind of heater. Like, I really mean a heater. Like, just for temperature. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Thanks for coming on the pod, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late. And that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. And our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done.